Welcome back to a very, very special episode of the Nosebleed AV Club, or should I say the Nosebleed A24 Club, because we're doing another A24 movie. Um, but that's just what we do. We're fans of the work. What can we say? Undefeated. Undefeated. Much like much like myself. <laughs> My name is Matt. My name is Austin. And together we are the Nosebleed AV Club. Your are, favorite tag team. Your favorite tag team. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are talking about The Iron Claw, a movie starring Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White, amongst other really, really, really talented actors. Mm. If you're unfamiliar with what the movie is about, we got our good friend, voiceover guy. He's going he's gonna to let us know what it's about. So uh, voiceover guy, take it away. The true story of the inseparable Von Erich brothers who make history in the intensely competitive world of professional wrestling in the early 1980s. Through tragedy and triumph, under the shadow of their domineering father and coach, the brothers seek larger-than-life immortality on the biggest stage in sports. That is the Iron Claw. As you can tell by my brother's uh, nice, shiny hardware, we are uh, fans of wrestling. Um, that being said, prior to this movie, had no idea who the Von Erich brothers were. Um, we got into wrestling around the Ruthless Aggression era, the Invasion era, um, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of old heads weren't a fan of. But to us, that was the coolest shit ever. So, yes. So if you're like a non-wrestling nerd, that would be about like 2000 and up. Mm-hmm. So like that, the one that the the era of wrestling that gets the most shine is obviously the Attitude Era. Like that is probably the most popular era of wrestling, mm-hmm. where like there was like the Monday Night Wars and stuff happening. But like we got into it right at the basically end of that era and starting the Ruthless Aggression Era. So we came up with like The Rock, Stone Cold, like when they've already fully become uh, fully developed, mm-hmm. like the Hardy Boys. Edge, like Christian, era. Dudley Boys. Edge, Christian, Dudley Boys, um, yeah. Yeah, just, just that whole era. So that that's kind of our where we, we really fully got into wrestling. That's the peak of our wrestling obsession. Um, mm-hmm. After that, I, I distinctly remember when I started uh, not watching uh, or mm-hmm. when I stopped watching the first time, it was during the draft, the brand split. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of where I fell off because I didn't have cable, so I could only really watch SmackDown. <laughs> and Jeff and Matt Hardy, I believe, were on Raw. So mm-hmm. I quickly lost interest and, and kind of stopped watching. Yeah, our favorite wrestlers. Actually, yeah, you want to start this off by going, uh, listing off some of your favorite wrestlers growing up. So like, yeah, uh, I'll just say jointly our favorite wrestlers were the Hardy Boys. Like mm-hmm. we love the Hardy Boys. We are big Hardy Boys fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of just like latched on to Matt. Matt latched on to Jeff. Mm-hmm. And then we went from there. Um, other than the Hardy Boys, I was a really big Chris Jericho fan. Mm-hmm. Um, really big Stone Cold and The Rock fan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I feel like everybody was yeah. to a certain degree. And like those were like our main guys. I well, at least my main guys. How about you? For yourself? Pretty much, pretty much the same. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. uh, uh, maybe add Rob Van Dam because of mm-hmm. his matches with Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Were always fun to watch. Um, of course, the Brothers of Destruction, um, American mm-hmm. Badass Taker. I personally love. I know a lot of people don't. But <laughs> we come grew up on, with him, man, so, like, that, that was fucking that, yeah. cool. Yeah, with the motorcycle entrance, that was cool. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, needless to say, we are not familiar with a lot of the wrestling, the classic wrestling legends, uh, which is partially why we were very interested in this movie. 
because it, it yeah. tackles uh, these people who are held in high regard that we have no clue about. Yeah, I feel like this is like right at the beginning of like or like maybe like right before like the golden era of like wrestling takes place. Right. So like your Hulk Hogan's yeah. like Ric Flair, who makes an appearance in this movie, uh, mm. you know, like that era of wrestling. Andre the Giant, like I believe is considered the golden era of wrestling. So, yeah. This, this movie, I think, takes place, like, right before that. So that being said, um, I I first heard about the cast before mm-hmm. I saw what the actual Von Eric brothers look like. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to me that they, they casted some short kings to play some <laughs> six-feet beefy dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White. Um, I believe who plays David. His name is Harris Dickinson. Um, Zach Efron, nice. I think this is a really career defining role for him. Um, I am a huge Zach Efron fan, actually. Like mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of his movies, both good and bad. Um, I know he had a dramatic role playing Ted Bundy, which I didn't watch. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Paperboy for a little bit, I believe, which was a pretty serious role. That movie was kind of trippy. I didn't even finish it, actually. I need to go back. Um, but he was also in some, you know, kind of duds that I've personally watched as well. We Are Your Friends, which was directed by the uh, <laughs> the useless camera guy in Catfish. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I watched it. It's not very good, but it's a fun watch. Um, I have not seen Zac Efron in anything that I rec- can recall, to be honest. So, yeah, this was a huge... You know, the only thing, obviously, that I knew about him was High School Musical. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like I was hating on him for that. Like, it is what it is. Get your bag. But, yeah. like... Yeah, I have not seen anything from him, like, at all since then. And I haven't even seen High School Musical, so this, honestly, is probably the first time I've ever seen Zac Efron in anything. And, like, yeah, no, like, I walked away with this. I walked away from this being very impressed with, mm-hmm. like, you know, his abilities. Uh, but, yeah, no, this was, uh, this was a, this is, as you said, a defining role for him, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy and he, Jeremy he brought Babyface. <laughs> Jeremy Allen White, of course, from The Bear. A lot of people know from Shameless, which I did not watch, but Mm -hmm. he's in it. Um, Kills it in The Bear. Love that show. Um, So I already knew he was just going to fucking nail this. Um, The guy who played David, Harris Dickinson, he's been in a few movies I've actually watched, but I don't know too much about him. He -hmm. was in See How They Run, which is a murder mystery. Um, He was in Maleficent 2. He played the prince. Oh, wait. Who was he in See How They Run? He was the one of the bellboys, I think. Yeah, the I, I've guys. seen that movie. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched it recently mm-hmm. too. Um, and he was in the latest installment of the Kingsman uh, movies. Nice. Yeah, Pam was played by Lily James, of course. Baby Driver, loved her in that. Um, she was also in Yesterday, and she played uh, Pamela Anderson in Pam and Tommy, the Hulu sh- show. Oh, sick. yeah, which I didn't watch, but she looked really good in it. That's all you. That's all you can ask for sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mike is a relatively new actor. The guy who played Mike, Stanley Simmons, Simons, Simmons. I'm not sure. Maybe mm-hmm. Simons. He was really good too. Um, yeah. And of course, the guy who played Fritz was killing it. He, yeah, he did his job, man. Like he, he acted his ass off, and like he really made you fucking hate his character. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we'll get into that a little bit deeper later, but like. 
Like there's something to be said about the actors that play the people that play the roles that everybody is going to hate because I feel like that's like one of the more courageous things you can do. Yeah. Because God knows you're going to deal with that outside of your movie. God knows you're going to deal with that for maybe the rest of your life, depending on the impact <laughs> of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like people yeah. might just hate you for the rest of your life, you know, off of a role you played. You always so, got to like, give credit to the people who play villains really yeah. well. Well, especially the villains that people hate, right? Like, yeah. it's one thing to play a villain that people, like, sympathize with or like. So, like, I feel like Heath Ledger, even though he played a villain as the Joker, like, people, if he had lived, you know, to see it, people would have sang his praises no matter what, loved him, you know, he would have gotten that love. Whereas a character like this, who is just so despicable, so unlikable, so just fucking shitty, like, I feel like people would project all of the emotions they felt <laughs> towards the dad character towards him in real life. Of course. You know? Yeah. That's just how crazy people are. You know, the crazy thing is though, they, they actually like toned him down for this movie. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, cast amazing casting job. Um, solid cast all around. Wouldn't, wouldn't recast any role really. Um, yeah. The mom was really good too. She's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm blanking on her name. I would, but- I would recast one role, but we'll get that to we'll get to that later. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So right. usually um on the Nosebleed A V Club, we we delve right into spoilers. This is actually a unique uh unique situation for us because we usually do movies that are pretty old that anyone could have watched already, uh, that are available on streaming. This is kind of the first time we're doing a podcast on a movie release, uh or a mm. theater release movie. So Usually we go right into spoilers, um, but for this one, I think we're going to give our first impressions uh, as spoiler-free as possible and then dive right into a full discussion. So be warned. (laughs) So the Iron Claw, you know, obviously not knowing anything about the Von Erich family uh, prior to watching this movie, I had no real expectations of this movie other than like, it's a wrestling movie covering the darker side of wrestling that obviously that me being a wrestling fan, I am aware of. Like, I feel like it's hard to not be aware of if you grow up watching wrestling, especially like in our era where you had tragedies such as the Crispin Wall tragedy, mm-hmm. you know, occur. So like for us, like we're not strangers to that, even though we didn't grow up watching that era of wrestling. Like there's still plenty of dark stories that happened throughout the history of wrestling regardless. And like for me going into this movie, even if you're not a fan of wrestling, we watched this movie with our sister who has no idea about anything about wrestling. Like this movie hits, you know, they do a good enough job in this movie covering a lot of the emotional bases that come with just baseline, like emotions that have nothing to do with wrestling, you know, like Mm -hmm. just the simple things of like parent expectations, um, the, the, the sins of the father, you know, things that, your father or your mom or whatever may not have accomplished in their lifetime that they then try to pass on to their children, you know, growing up in like, you know, a family environment where that wasn't necessarily our reality, but you know, we, we definitely got taste of it every now and then from our mother, like, you know, just being pressure, like pressuring you to like be something that maybe you truly feel like you do not want to be or don't deserve to be or have no interest in being at all, you know, like this movie really tackles like that family, that really weird family dynamic that comes with, you know, just being with, you know, being the, 
the child is someone that you look up to, that you admire, that you want to seek validation from. But at the same time, this person is also the cause of most of your pain, you know, is the cause of things that, you know, set you down paths that you maybe wouldn't have gone down if you had lived, a, if you had a healthier role model in your life, you know. I think this movie does an amazing job of taking that story, you know, that could be applied to a lot of different things and telling it within the wrestling dynamic, you know, introducing audiences to what wrestling actually truly is and, you know, what it means to people, right? Like we all grew, all of us that watch wrestling, we all grew up hearing the same shit, right? Like wrestling's fake. Why do you give a fuck? Why do you care? You know, and for us, you know, it was the realest thing ever. And there is a part of us, you know, Matt, you could definitely vouch to this. There's a part of us that always probably knew it was fake, mm -hmm. you know, even when we were children. You know, there's a part of us that always knew that it was fake. But the emotions and the story and stories behind the characters and the ways that these people put their bodies on the line are all real, you know. And this movie does a fantastic job of displaying what that means not only for the people watching but for the people involved in it you know and how much sacrifices they have to make you know to put on this show for very little in return you know i honestly feel like wrestlers are one of the more underappreciated athletes in this world because what they're seeing what they're doing is seen as being fraudulent or fake or for show you know and to me this movie was amazing like i would honestly recommend this movie to anybody not just anybody not just fans of wrestling i would say that it's a great study on you know the human condition as it relates to like wrestling you know and like you know there's not really a lot for me to really compare it to i the only other wrestling movie that i've seen is called ready to rumble which if you're familiar with ready to rumble it's like a late 90s early 2000s comedy movie that is fucking stupid as shit like it's like just a really bad you know raunchy comedy um the only other thing i can think of is the wrestler starring uh michael what's his name uh uh was it mickey uh, Rourke? mickey Rourke. mickey Rourke. sorry mickey Rourke. i never seen it so i can't really compare it to that but like i know that got a lot of recognition back when it came out in its day mm -hmm. uh but i've never seen it so i can't compare it to that but like i would say this movie was fantastic and if you haven't seen it already which obviously this part of the podcast is for you if you haven't seen it go watch them go watch this movie if you have even the slightest interest in it at all or if you just love movies that revolve around like you know characters and like them growing or the drama between characters, like I would highly recommend this movie. And um, you basically covered everything. Um, I mm -hmm. don't really have anything to add to that other than, yeah, if, if you're not into wrestling, don't let that stop you from watching this movie. Um, mm -hmm. It's very more, it's more focused on, on the family dynamics and, and the issues within that family, but the chunks of wrestling they put in there and, and the behind the scenes they put in there of, of wrestling is very insightful. I think you may or uh, you may gain a new appreciation for what these people do, um, and like Austin said, a lot of wrestling movies are are comedies. Um, mm. This one <laughs> definitely is not. Although there are some funny moments, it is definitely not a a uh, a comedy. 
Um, but what I also wanted to add is before we, we move on is this is definitely a movie worth seeing in theaters. Um, I'm notorious on this podcast for not watching movies in theaters. I usually wait till it's streaming, um, watch them at home. Dude, I, Christopher Nolan hates your fucking guts. <laughs> I fucking hate Christopher Nolan. God damn. Learn how to sound mix, bro. <laughs> um, but I, I highly, highly, highly recommend watching this in theaters. Um, the sound design is something I want to talk about later on, but it's, it, it impacts the movie um, more than I think I imagined it would. And it really mm. adds to it. And, and being able to watch this movie without any distractions, without reaching for your phone, I think you'll, it, it deserves that. So definitely yeah. watch it in theaters. Um, yeah, go now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And with that, I think it's fair to say that we are probably going to start diving into spoilers. So mm-hmm. if you haven't watched this movie, please go do so now. Stop the podcast, go watch it, and then come back and hear us talk about it. All right, Austin, where do you want to start? There's uh, a lot well, to delve into. For starters, <laughs> for starters, I was co- trying to commit to holding this the entire way through, but my shoulder is fucking getting sore, so I'm actually going to put it down first. Okay, Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> few things I want to talk about with this movie. Well, okay, so I should say that, like, I fucking love this movie. I thought it was oh, fantastic. so before we start, we, we oh, okay. watched this on Christmas. So yesterday, oh. we're recording this the day okay, after. Yeah. Um, and yes, I'm sorry. We were, we were those people on Christmas. I, I'm so mm. sorry, but there was nothing to do. And we really wanted to watch this movie. So we did that. Mm. Um, and we self-embargoed. We literally did not say a word about this movie as ah. soon as we got out. We, yeah, yeah. we could not talk about it. Um, and we just, this is why this is a special episode. We usually don't do two in a week, but <laughs> this movie uh, deserves that. And again, because we couldn't discuss it, we just, we just need to get this all out while it's fresh. Yeah, we were just loaded with things we wanted to say, but we just couldn't release it. We were blue balling yeah, we ourselves. Were edging so hard. Yeah, we were edging so hard. Like now we're about to explode onto yeah. the screen. Yeah, much, you know, like, much, much like the Von Erichs exploded onto yes, the scene. Yes. You know? So I love this movie. I I thought it was fantastic. I thought everything most of um, I thought most of what it was was really, really good. There are a few things that I do have gripes with. There's mm-hmm. actually one big thing that I have a gripe with that I'll get to later. OK, um, that I think kind of was like a very was kind of like a low point in this movie for me, for sure. Mm. Uh, but like the highlight of this movie, 1000% is absolutely the relationship between brothers themselves. Yes. I think the way that this was handled and the way they went about it was fantastic. Like the, the dynamic between them and how much they actually love each other and support each other. And even when they're not necessarily getting along, how they still maintain that familial connection and how much they mean to each other shines throughout this movie. Like I cannot give the acting and the writing enough credit to how they make these characters feel so real and so like connected to one another. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it was absolutely beautiful how they told the story of this family. Um, If you weren't aware this and, but you should be because if you watch this movie, they tell you right off the bat that this movie is based on a true story of a real family. And I feel like it's very hard to talk about these movies without touching on that. 
So unfortunately, like I do have to judge this movie based on how well it tells the actual story. Obviously, you have to allow for some creative liberties. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just what it that's just what you do with movies based on true events. But there are some very glaring things from this movie that they kind of either glance over or they just don't even address at all. That happened in real life. As me and Matt learned later on, you know, having not known anything about this family prior, right? I should um, say we both did watch like summary YouTube videos on the yeah. on the family, so we we had an idea of what we were in for and mm-hmm. kind of which brothers died and how. Um, mm-hmm. Which I wanted to ask you about that. So mm-hmm. I was constantly waiting for things to happen, like you know what I mean. Like my mind didn't have to fill in the blanks in this movie as I was watching. I was just waiting, yeah. waiting for like when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? Yeah. Did do you think that? For, for someone who's not familiar with the Von Erichs, do you think knowing ahead of time ruins the experience or do you think it it's fine? I mean, I might be bi- I might I might be biased because like I'm a wrestling fan, so mm-hmm. I just appreciate the story they were trying to tell. Mm-hmm. But I'd say no. Like I don't think it's necessarily like cuz like honestly, most of the time when you know something's when you they advertise very much that this was a true story, mm-hmm. right? So, like, most people, when they learn a movie is a true story, usually most people will just learn about the actual story. Mm-hmm. You know, like, some of my favorite true story movies, the Titanic, right? It doesn't ruin the movie knowing that the that the ship sinks, spoiler alert, Well, yeah, right? that's kind of a different comparison, though. Cause Passion of the Christ, Jesus dies, spoiler, you know? like Yeah, but this <laughs> is actually, like, the driving events in the movie were based on real events, right? Whereas Titanic is like, yeah, we made up a story that leads to the boat crashing. This is like, yeah, I'm waiting for David to die. When's, when's, when are they going to show him dying? When are they going to show hey, listen, Carrie dying? Listen. You know what I mean? Like, when are they going to show no, the accident? 100%. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily... Like, the point I'm trying to make, though, right, is, like, all jokes aside, right? Like, when you know something is going to happen, like, you know the ship's going to sink. And, yes, they're telling a story that didn't happen within the the story of the ship sinking, you know that that's going to be the pivotal point of the movie. You know, you're just kind of waiting to see how they handle it, right? How they set it up. You know, same thing with this movie. Like, you know that there's going to be some deaths that happen because the first thing when you look at the Von Erich family is the death, right? is the curse, right? Without going on too long about this subject, let me just like quickly like just paraphrase the question sure. i guess or rephrase it like sure. um do you think this movie has more impact if you go into it blind not uh not researching the von erics like letting the movie basically inform you about the von erics rather than knowing about it and then going into watching it do you think uh, it loses more it has more impact do you think it loses impact do you think it changes anything I don't think it loses any impact. Uh, Like, I really, truly feel like the movie does an amazing job of setting up those moments. So, like, even Mm -hmm. if you do know they're they're coming, Mm -hmm. like, I still think that they do a good enough job setting up to where you feel it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. regardless. Because, like, the whole thing with, like, knowing something's coming is the worry that you're not going to feel it, right? Like, that Mm -hmm. you're not going – it's not going to hit you as hard but for me even though i knew what was coming Mm -hmm. like when it actually finally does happen you really truly feel it and for me that comes 
a lot from the characters and how they betray their how they betray their roles, mm-hmm. right? How they betray the relationship between them their each other and their dad, you know, especially. And just like how the movie goes about like revealing things. So I remember this I I remember feeling while watching the movie like oh I don't like this like I don't feel like this works right mm. while I'm watching the movie but then as things start unfolding and I start getting further along the movie I was just like oh okay like I'm not as mad about that anymore right so one of the mm. early on things I can think of was like I wasn't sure if Zac Efron was a good actor or not Right. So in the beginning of the movie, Zac Efron, the way he speaks, the way he comes across, the way he talks to other people, it feels like he's never acted in his life. I was like, this feels like bad acting to me. So I was like in my head taking mental notes like, okay, I'm going to hold on to this for later for when we talk about the podcast. But then Mm -hmm. it's revealed like, oh, his character was never good on the mic. He never mm-hmm. had good mic skills. He could never sell a match because he just doesn't know how to talk shit. And then, like, he's never been with a girl before, you know? And, like, all these things start happening where you realize, like, oh, it's not that Zac Efron's acting badly. It's that his character is really fucking awkward, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I was like, okay, I, like, forgave the earlier parts that I thought were bad acting more because of these certain details that come forward or like, for example, I didn't, there's a scene, there's a part in the movie where, um, Carrie, right. Uh, who plays, who's actor again? That plays Jeremy Allen White. Yeah. So Jeremy Allen White, um, he goes on his motorcycle and he drives off into the night and you could tell like, there's something wrong with him. He's super depressed. And then the movie just hard cuts to him waking up in the morning and then he has no foot. Mm. Right. So it's implied that he got into some sort of accident and he ended up losing his foot as a result of it. I personally would have liked there to be something more there and to, for them to reveal more information. But as the movie goes forward and, you know, you start to figure out that like, oh, it's not really the action of him going through that and losing his foot. That's the important part. It's really just the emotion he's feeling of even though he's reached the top, even though he's doing all these things where his dad is seemingly proud of him to him in his mind, it's never enough because there's still room for him to fail. And like that eats at him. So like, even though I was kind of annoyed that we didn't really explore that deeper and get more information on how all of a sudden he doesn't have a foot, there's mm-hmm. things that this movie See, that's does. See, that's why that's why I was asking. Later on. That's why yeah, I was asking. There's things that this the, movie uh, does later on that pays off. Yeah, that's why I brought up. You know, does knowing what happens and the events change the experience of watching the movie? Because I already knew these were coming. Like mm-hmm. I was like, okay, Carrie's gonna lose his foot at some point. And as soon as I saw him, like as soon as he said, "I'm going out for a ride after he won," I was like, "Here it is." And then mm-hmm. when it hard cuts, it wasn't as drawing to me. I was like, "Mm-hmm, that's what yeah. happened." Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? That's why I'm like. I kind of wish a part of me didn't know anything just so Mm -hmm. I could feel everything like in that moment rather than there it is. You know what I mean? Like, ah, so if you didn't know what was coming though, (laughs) like, yes, the way they show that he lost his foot is like a reveal, right? Cause they show him doing a bunch Mm -hmm. of other things before they show that he doesn't have a foot. I still feel like the way they reveal it is still like 
kind of like shocking, you know, in a way, which is probably like, purposeful. even if you knew that the foot wasn't there. Cause like, I don't know. They just, they do a good job of kind of alluding to other things possibly mm-hmm. happening. You know, even if you didn't know that that was going to happen, you know? So I don't know. Like, it's hard to say, right? Because we did know what was going to happen, but I don't know. I truly feel like it would have still hit just as hard, if not close enough. I mean, it still I did hit. Or I was yeah. just saying that, like, man, I wonder because our sister was was crying throughout the movie, right? Because she had no idea about these people, right? So obviously, you get hit hit with so many deaths. <laughs> in so many tragic ways so the tears were flowing <laughs> right i mean that's because just we knew also, that's just that's just her though right no like, right but like again like let's just picture like going in blind right and then you just get hit with this and just the emotions you the roller coaster it takes you on just the just the, mm-hmm. the constant downs <laughs> yeah so what were some of the things that you loved about this movie 100 percent, the brother relationship the Mm -hmm. the way they built it up was just it was so it was just so unspoken they didn't Mm -hmm. have to be like i like they were saying that i love you guys like i love you guys and stuff but like it was the actions that they were doing for each other that like spoke volumes right and that's the first thing that hit with this movie for me was just the brotherly bond because that's something i feel like we share and as siblings Mm -hmm. we we would probably be the exact same way if you know if we had all the time in the world together we would probably be doing the same thing uh how how kevin mentioned that like you know, oh yeah, I, I want to do everything with my brothers. Blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Like that's totally like, hey, we do a podcast together. We we started yeah. a clothing brand together. We we made music mm-hmm. together. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, I feel that. I don't necessarily yeah. want to live with you, <laughs> but you don't want to see you know, me in my tidy whities no, every morning. No, um, but you know, it that really really hit for me. Um, also. Oh. I'll get a cheeseburger with you, brother. <laughs> I'll get a cheeseburger <laughs> with you. Um, but yeah, just the the things they do for each other, how they constantly mm-hmm. have each other's back, how they constantly support each other with everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's super like connected with me. Um, yeah. Some some things about the movie that I really enjoyed um, the sound design. Um, mm-hmm. When you're watching wrestling on TV, you you don't the sounds are so thin. You don't. You you can see that it hurts, but you don't really you don't necessarily feel it, and and this is why I say watch the movie in theaters because hearing the bodies hit the mats, just that thunderous drop, and there's yeah. a scene specifically where um, Zach Efron's character is outside the ring and he gets um, suplexed onto the concrete, and you just feel that shit so hard. You're just like, oh. and. And we've seen this time and time again in our in our time watching wrestling where, where yeah, someone yeah. goes into no man's land, right, and gets suplexed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, that sucks. But it never really seems that bad. Yeah. This movie did a really good job at at selling that, like, fuck, yeah, your air would get knocked out. You would just be you would be fucked up. Um, and then yeah. another scene where the sound really hit in theaters was the scene where Mike is performing. Mm. And the band is playing. And you just really feel the hits of the drums. You really feel so the bass, good. the electric guitars you just feel like you feel like you're there at that party with yeah. them and it, it just locks I, you in i want to give like a really special shout out to the actor that played mike because he mm. was phenomenal because like mike is probably the most insignificant character out of all of them in terms of like the character that you spend the most time with the character mm-hmm. that you learn the most about like mike's honestly kind of an enigma you know that he doesn't want to wrestle 
you know that he wants to be a musician and that's really kind of the most of what you get from him yeah you know like and you know you that he was really a good musician too much. he was actually talented at it as well yeah no and that's you know you don't get as much of the dynamic between him and his brothers as much you know mm-hmm. it's mostly carrie david and um kevin uh, kevin you know that that you really get to see them really interacting with each other and stuff like that mike you don't get as much but for what you do get with Mike, I feel like the actor really does an amazing job of selling this character and really making you feel every moment that you have on screen with him. Mm-hmm. Like, I was very impressed with how much I cared about Mike, even though we knew the least about him out of all the other brothers. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I thought that was phenomenal. Um, um, also, did you have more? Yeah. Yeah. Just the uh, I love a good montage scene. Mm, and just the, the montages rush, of them the coming up, scene? yeah, was just, that shit got me so Ooh. fucking hype. That shit got me so hype to Ooh the point God. where I was sad when it was over because that's it, it's. Ex- I, I don't know if you looked over at me while that scene was happening. I was like in my seat, just like, dude. Yeah, as soon as I heard dude. the drums, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, spo- yeah. fair warning though, that is where the movie stops being happy <laughs> that's like it goes it goes all the way up there and then from there it's just, just sadness bleakness just depression but that scene i wish it went on for a little longer i wish they didn't cut away and then just fade to the end of that match i kind of wish we saw some action in there mm-hmm. um when they were you know when they all three were like fighting for the championship um but yeah. real quick i just want to keep going on the wrestling scenes um the fact that they mm-hmm. did i'm like kind of like you're in the ring rather mm-hmm. than the typical uh wrestling uh, angles it yeah. made the uh it made the action seem more like real and visceral and and you know you felt that shit more so oh yeah most definitely um, dude the, the wrestling scenes were probably some of my favorite things because like i thought they did it amazingly well they, they did it yeah. with such respect for what the sport is and i want to shout out the actors for actually doing the moves like mm-hmm. you can tell that they 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 went to cl- like they trained for this shit. They were practicing yeah. the moves and they looked good doing it. Like I and there's like there's not a moment where I questioned, oh, was that them? Like no stunt doubles or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like the techniques that they use where they, you know, where they have to throw the punch, but like, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they have to fake the punch. Yeah. Like, and it's more stomping than it is actually hitting someone's face. Yeah. Like the way they go about training to make it look actually like physical but like still oversell it and stuff like that like i love that shit there's a scene where kevin is teaching mike like Mm -hmm. how to do a headlock and how to lock it in and like you're not actually choking the guy you might be putting a little bit pressure on their throat or their head but you're not actually like hurting them hurting them right Mm -hmm. but like kevin is really training mike on like you can't make it you have to make it look good yeah like you really have to, the to point fucking where like oh no, no cracks in the there, s or something there can't like that be, there can't be any cracks there can't be any gaps you yeah. know what i'm saying you know like and like that whole thing of like these are fucking artists you know wrestlers are artists performers, performers athletes entertainers and so athletes, entertainers news. like there is a true art form to this sport that people who don't watch it do not understand, mm-hmm. you know, like how awesome and beautiful it is all in one, you know? 
And like, I think this movie does a good job of portraying that side of it that people maybe just don't appreciate or take for granted, you know? And I want to say that, um, a lot of wrestlers, you would think they're, they're super rich. You think they're the, you know, WWE pays them well, which the top guys, sure. 100%. Um, absolutely. But a lot of these guys are struggling. They're not even contract, like they're independent contractors, so they don't Mm -hmm. have health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> like they're putting their bodies on the lines and they have to cover the costs. Oh, dude. Like, I love that this movie like really hones in on like what the independent wrestling circuit mm-hmm. is like, you yeah. know, because like you, a lot of movies, they focus on the big guys, like the WCWs. Like I think ready to rumble focuses on WCW, WWE. Oh, there's also another family. one. Yeah. Fighting with my family or something. Fighting with my family or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that, that tells the story of page an actual WWE diva. Right. Like, you know, that's all fine and cool and everything. And it's always great to learn more about that side of the industry. But like the fucking wrestling, like indie circuit is like where fucking real wrestlers are made. You know, this is where like people develop their characters, mm-hmm. where they go through the hardest points in their life, where they're literally their livelihood depends on whether or not they can create a character that sells, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like the most stressful thing in the world that you can deal with. You know, because, like, you could be the best wrestler in the world, but if you cannot sell a character, if you do not have any good mic skills, you're not going to make it far, which happens to Zac Efron's character, Kevin, who is one of the more talented brothers, right? He's, like, the high flyer. He, you know, is the most physically (laughs) in fit. Best physique. He has the looks. He has the physique. He doesn't have the mic skills, which is... You would you would think like as a wrestler like oh he has everything he needs he has all the physical parts effects of it, the physical traits of it but the mic skills are just as important if not more important right like being good on the mic is so important in wrestling and like this movie does a great job of cement of like really pushing that and like showing people like what that means in this world mm-hmm. you know. Because, like, look at the... So there's a scene where Kevin fights uh, the current World Heavyweight Champion in Dallas at his father's promotion. And this guy's fucking ugly. He's out of shape. He's got no swag. But, like, his mic skills are way above Kevin's, you know? And there's a part in the... There's a scene in the movie where after they fight and, like, Kevin wins via disqualification... Like, he has an opportunity to address him on the mic, and he fucking bombs. He's terrible, and then his David, his brother, has to come in and save him, basically. And that's essentially kind of what earns David a title shot, is because he has the crowd in the palm of his hands with how good he is on the It's It's super awesome that they covered that aspect to it, because when people think wrestling, a lot of times they're only going to think about the physical shit. They never consider like the, the mic skills that go into it, you know. I also like that this movie mentioned that you know Japan was where where you make it because mm-hmm. it's true. A lot of great wrestlers come out of Japan. Japan has an insane wrestling scene, an insane mm-hmm. just love and culture wrestling, like professional wrestling culture. Like to to wrestling heads, we know we already know this, but to the general public, the general the people who don't know wrestling, like that was that's huge for them to know. 
Um, was there anything else that you loved about this movie that you want to go through before I go through some of mine? No, I think I pretty much covered it. If if something comes up, I'll I'll bring it up. Yeah. But, I mean, this this movie is just all around is just really good, really amazing. Yeah. Like probably my movie yeah. of the year. I know I don't even watch movies, but <laughs> movie of the year for me probably. Yeah, the um yeah, I like I agree with you. The music and the sound design was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, sorry. Like, also, the look oh, when they would show them wrestling, there was that slight like Vaseline on the screen fuzz that they put that really like mm-hmm. kind of transported you to that time period, and that was really yeah. cool. Like you could tell the director did his research, right? Yeah, or did their research. I don't know who, what gender they were, <laughs> but <laughs> did their research. You know, truly appreciated. You know, the sport mm-hmm. and like what it's about, and like yeah, like for me, the biggest highlight for me was the actual wrestling, mm-hmm. like. Like you said, everything has impact. All the mm-hmm. moves were there. Like a lot of the planning that goes before. Mm-hmm. Like the, they show scenes. Yeah, of that's like that's the thing. Talking I, exactly. Beforehand. I don't think people know a lot about that where yeah. they discuss what they're going to do. And even in the mat, even when they're in the match, they'll adjust. Like they'll whisper this. They'll whisper. They'll. Oh my god, I can't talk to they. They will whisper things to each other's ears about like what to do. Yeah, like, they'll like they improvise up. on the yeah. spot. Like, yes, it's scripted, but a lot of it is also improv improvisation. Improvisation. <laughs> I mean, can't, none of us can't I've it's, also been it's late. It's yeah. late, but we really want to do this podcast. It's improvised. A lot of it's improvised, right? Yeah. And like, like this is why me and you love this shit so much because mm. it is truly just fucking like. It's awesome. It has so many things in it that other sports just do not have, you yeah. know? And, like, I think this movie does an amazing job of portraying the actual wrestling moves. You feel the impacts, mm-hmm. the moves themselves, like, they look, they're well executed, like, yes. you know, like, there's a, this movie has a plethora of fucking body splashes, you know, in this, in this movie, and, like, body, across body, you know, mm-hmm. you know, moves, and, like, Zac Efron performs them amazing, you know? Um, like the referee interactions, the way they sell the moves, you know. Yeah, there's a referee who got like knocked out of the ring, and he just, <laughs> and he just like flies out the fucking <laughs> it's ring. So dude. fucking funny, and it's like yes, because like if you're a wrestling fan, dude, if you go watching wrestling, that's like one of the best things ever. Is it's like, like the fucking the Leo just, meme, dude. It's the Leo meme. We're like, ooh, ooh, the referee <laughs> just watching the referee just die, die yeah. <laughs> get murdered. <laughs> It's the best shit ever, dude. Like, that stuff is fucking awesome. And then, like, showing, like, just the fanfare, you know, that, mm-hmm. like, these wrestlers have. Because, like, throughout this movie, right, you see just how big of a celebrity that Zac Efron's character is in his local circuit. But he's a nobody on the bigger scale of things. And I think that's very important to illustrate. Is that he has women pining over him. He has people asking for his autographs. He has, you know, there's a scene where David, you know, writes in a postcard that like he, while he's in Japan, that someone confused him for him, for Kevin, right? Mm -hmm. And that it made him happy. And it's like, yeah, when you're in the scene, when you're in this culture, yes, all these people, no matter how big or small they are, they're huge to you. It's a small world. But like, outside of that scene like these guys are still nobody they're still fighting for a paycheck every day you know and like i love that i love how they portray that shit it's like it's so true to the sport you know 
And it's a true, like, you know, this, everybody loves a good underdog story, right? Every mm-hmm. sports movie that's like revered by people is an underdog story, right? Right. The story of wrestling is always going to be an underdog story because it's one of the least profitable sports. Every person in this industry, this is one of the few sports where there truly is like a a huge dichotomy between the lower end guys versus the top guys. Mm -hmm. In the actual sport of wrestling, there's really only a handful of guys that are truly making money enough to like live the, the kind of lifestyle that other athletes live. Everybody else, 90, like 90 to 95% of everybody else that competes in this sport is living like paycheck to paycheck or like, you know, they're struggling. It's a hard life. You know, it's super hard. And the thing is, you know, if even mm-hmm. if you make a persona that that does well and you become a celebrity off that, your likeness is not even owned by yourself. Yeah. WWE locks that shit up. So yeah. it's it's a really like crazy thing. Like there needs to be a You movie. don't even own your own ideas. Yeah. I, I believe you know? John Cena doesn't even own his fucking name. I believe the WWE fucking owns that shit. So he anything Which he is, does, um Vince McMahon is taking a cut. It's insane. That's fucking crazy, dude. Like the way they accurately portray a lot of like what wrestling is actually like, I I fucking love. Uh the Von Erics like dynamic, I really love mm-hmm. like whether it's the family dynamic or like the brothers dynamic specifically and like the relationship between Kevin and Pam, I thought was really, was handled really Dude. well with the time that they had. Shout out to see, uh, here's, here's some dating advice. Women just shoot your shot. I guarantee you, <laughs> whoever you're interested in, will probably give you the time of day. Cause God damn Pam, bro. Yeah. Shot Ooh, her shot. Shot her shot. And here's some advice. And Lock here's some advice down. to be, and here's some advice to men, you know, just be chiseled and fucking ripped out of your goddamn mind and you'll, yeah. you'll be fine, dude. Like I do. Hey, it? but let's let's I want I want to do a, a a body PSA. Look, these guys. Zach Efron is not natural. He did not achieve that body naturally. It, <laughs> he is enhanced. Um, and hater. No, he is. Dude, like there's no way around. He's enhanced. Uh, the only person who is probably like the rest of the cast, I think, is is natural. Like. I think Jeremy Allen White's pretty. I think he's natty. His body is pretty re- realistic, but also just even then, like these guys are pumped for each scene. You're not going to be rocking around looking that juiced all the time, dude. I was pumped every scene. <laughs> Hard as a rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into some of the things that we felt like the movie wasn't as good on or okay. like some of the gripes you have about this movie where the movie kind of struggle or has issues for me is when they start introducing the deaths of the brothers um i don't know specifically the timelines of each brother's death but this movie made it seem like it happened within a, like a small window from each other um it yeah. was just death after death after death and they each hit but I wish there was time for them to kind of simmer a little bit more, right? To mm-hmm. to really see the impact that it had on on the family, because you really only get that with David because he was the first one, and then um, with with Mike's like Mike's is pretty heavy to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like that one's a really really heavy death. I think, I think the lead up to it is very heavy, but the yeah. post death it doesn't have yeah. the lasting impact that the uh, that David's did exactly. 
Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I felt like they just kind of like did it sequential. Like the sequence that they did it in was just too immediate. Like nothing mm-hmm. had time to simmer. Um, mm-hmm. So I wish they kind of stretched that out a bit. I, I understand that there's time constraints and you, you know, you want to tell the story, but also keep it moving. Um, but it's also because like Zach Efron's there's obviously there's time between each death, but his character doesn't really age. Like the hair stays the same for the most part. They all kind of look the same mm-hmm. after the deaths. You know, there's not really a, a change in their appearance that signals that like, do okay, you, some time has passed. Do you know the actual amount of time that's passed between each death? I don't. Is that why you're critiquing it like that? Yes, because I, I, I don't know for sure if maybe it did happen. I can't recall off the video okay. that I watched. I can't recall if it happened pretty close to each other, but in mm-hmm. the movie, you just, you don't have an understanding of how, how much time has passed between each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, other than Carrie's obviously. Yeah. Um, that's another critique I have is I feel like Carrie should have been flushed out more because he was the bigger star of all of them. Like he's mm-hmm. the one who had the most success, who, <clears throat> who uh, I believe wrestled the longest and you mm-hmm. really only get him for such a small part of this movie. Um, I really think yeah. they could have done more with him and Jeremy Allen White in general. Like, yeah. he should have just had an opportunity to shine more. So, like, one of the early complaints that I had while watching the movie was, like, I wish we had gotten more, like, of the other siblings while they're going through their shit. So, yeah, that's kind of where... Sorry to interject. I just want to put this point out there before I forget it. Is that... Mm-hmm. Is this a movie? Is this a biopic about the brothers or is this a biopic about Kevin? Because we really only see his point of view. Um, So, like, that's the thing, right? Like, so this movie, and honestly, it may be it's our fault because the story very much is a Von Eric story, but the movie is very much a Kevin story. Yeah. Like, I think that's uh, so if you're going to know anything about this movie before you go in and watch it, I think that's probably the biggest thing you should know is that this movie is very much from Kevin's perspective, which which makes sense because he is the sole surviving brother. Right. So he's the guy who's going to be going through everything, which makes sense why you would center it around him. Yeah. But I but they did market it as the story of the Von Eric brothers, which it kind of right, which it is. But. You, you only really get it from one really perspective. really the Von Eric story because Correct. it's Kevin's story. Yeah. You know? And, like, yeah. So, like, for me, like, I do wish there was more of that. And I wish the movie was more fair to the other siblings. But after the movie, kind of towards the end of the movie, when you really just, like, oh, okay. Because, like, that's the thing, right? This movie does a weird thing where, like, it makes you feel like it is the Von Eric story throughout mm-hmm. the movie. But then there's little things that they do throughout the movie. And then towards the end of the movie, it becomes very much more obvious that, oh, no, no, this is Kevin's yes. perspective on everything. Because after each, each death, it really focuses in on him specifically. Yeah. yeah. So, like, even though there's parts of the movie that kind of make it feel like it's telling all of their stories, it's really not. It's yeah. telling Kevin's. Mm-hmm. And... If I had kind of known that going into it, I would have been a lot more forgiving while watching the movie. Yeah. But it wasn't towards it wasn't until more towards the end where I kind of made that realization. It's like, okay, this is more Kevin's story than it is Carrie's or David's mm-hmm. or Mike's or whatever. So like we're not gonna get those things. So it was one of those things where I didn't realize until after. So 
David not us seeing not, us not seeing David like go through his shit and die became less important, and then us not seeing Carrie like die and mm-hmm. kill himself became less important. Like those all became less important once I finally made the realization that it actually was Kevin's story. But mm-hmm. until you make that realization for yourself, getting up to that point, you are probably going to be confused. Mm-hmm. You know, you are going to be like. Why didn't we see that? Or why didn't we get more of that? Or, you know? or like, even if you did kind of go do some research, like, why is this so much more about Kevin than it is Carrie, who, again, was the biggest one, who who had the most success? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, those are like really my two main criticisms. Um, other than that, like, I think the movie did a really good job at everything else. Um, I do want to talk about one scene. Um, so, but I'll let you, this, your criticisms as well. That that also is something that I I wouldn't necessarily call it a criticism, but just something that I feel like couldn't be confusing for the audience. Mm. Um, for sure, is, is that whole aspect of it really is just Carrie's story. It's not the Von Eric story. Kevin's story, yeah. You know, it's Kevin's stories within. It's Kevin's story within the Von Eric story. Mm-hmm. So a few gripes I have. Right, the biggest one because it's more of a character one is like the mom. I feel like her character isn't really fleshed out. I don't understand her motivations at all. I don't understand her as a character because there's times where you feel like she truly is the only one that understands the boys. Yeah. They confide in her. There's times when it feels like she's really the only one. She's kind of the glue that holds the family together, truly. But her character doesn't really portray anything that goes beyond that. That doesn't really portray anything for why. Her char- there's times where her character has an opportunity to shine where like David or Kevin at the beginning of the movie mm. tells her, hey, hey, dad needs to go easier on Kevin, on Mike. You know, there's times when, you know, she makes it seem like her character really f- cares and like l- really laments the loss of her boys at the hand of her dad, of the dad. And there's it hints, the movie hints at her like being aware of how problematic that that is but then there's other times where she just lets it go or she like just doesn't do anything at all even though she's showing all this emotion that she cares and like okay you can make the argument that like this is truly the conflict within her is like on the one hand she loves these boys and wants to care for them and coddle them but on the other hand she is strangled by a stranglehold by a husband yeah that you know, you can say that that's the argument, but like, I feel like the movie doesn't do a good enough job of portraying that. It almost, it just, it, to me, it more felt like her character was just inconsistent as opposed to there being an actual struggle with her, within her. I just you know? think she was just a defeated person. That's just the vibe I got from her in the movie. Just and sure. the whole thing, just straight up I just defeated. Wish, I just wish the movie maybe portrays that a little bit better, mm-hmm. right? Like, it hints at it, and yeah, you can get that vibe that. You know, she wants to do for more for these kids, but then can't because, you know, she wants to be good by her husband and his ideals, you know. But, like, I just wish that they kind of handled that a little bit better because it just doesn't come across as complex as that topic should be. You know? Yeah, I think as they, they kind of hint to it at the beginning of the movie where she really just has no say in this mm-hmm. relationship or over the family when he sells the car and he gets a new one and she's trying to argue with him, but he's like, no, no, I got to do this. I think that kind of laid the groundwork for that's their dynamic. He's going to do whatever he wants to do, regardless of if it's best for his family or not. Like if he wants to do it, it's going to happen. 
Yeah, and like, <clears throat> so to me, they, there's parts in the movie where they could have like laid that in a little bit deeper, right? So, yeah. like for example, Zach Efron's character in the towards the, in the beginning of the movie goes up to the mom and asks, like, "Hey, like you need to talk to dad." Yeah, like he's going too hard on Mike. To me, that tells me that there's instances where they there's a reason they feel comfort that Kevin's character feels comfortable enough to go to her and tell her that. Right. Mm-hmm. So she's done things before where maybe she does have some sort of say in this or whatever. And he feels like she could make the she could be the real difference maker that he might actually listen to her. Right. But all she says is this is between you and, you know, your but your brothers. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas, okay, she we could have accomplished the same thing where she ultimately defers to them handling amongst themselves because maybe that's what really happens. That's like the true story behind this all. But like her using that line to me doesn't really show that there is this, you know, deepness to her character where Kevin would feel that about her. Right. Mm -hmm. It kind of is just the same thing that the dad would say, which ends up being true because the dad does say (laughs) that later on in the movie in a very pivotal moment. Right. So it's like I just wish that they did a better job of portraying the depth of her character because she basically becomes nothing more than just a foil for the dad, where she basically is just an echo for how the dad feels or is, Mm. you know, where like going off of how the boys treat her, how the siblings treat her like there is something more to her character. We just don't really get to see it, Mm. you know, Um. So that's probably my biggest gripe with this movie because that's like a pretty decent sized character within the movie. Yeah. Um, Small things about this movie that really bother me. um, There's an overuse of a very specific camera technique or angle that I think I just couldn't stop noticing it whenever it would happen. So there's a very, there's a camera angle they use throughout this movie where it starts out as a wide shot. And then it's slow as the scene progresses, it slowly zooms in on the action. Okay. I don't know if you picked up on that, on that shot. So the first time I noticed it was they're in like the locker room after a match. It's Mm -hmm. early on in the movie and it's a great scene. It has a lot of impact. It starts out wide and then it starts to zoom in on them as, um, as the dad, I think is telling David that he's the one that kind of has the shot at getting the title, Mm -hmm. you know, and that he's the one that's going to pursue, even though Kevin's the one that's been the favor to the favorite to like get the title shot. And it starts out wide and it zooms in closely and becomes more intimate as like, we start to learn the details of like what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's great. Works amazing. That scene. But after that scene, they use it quite a bit. It has a lot of impact in that first scene, but as the movie goes on, it loses its impact more and more and more. I honestly can't say and, I noticed that actually. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. If I watch it a second time, I'm gonna pay attention to yeah. that. Keep out for that for that shot. It's pretty fucking overused within the movie, and I hate that they do it because mm-hmm. to me, it lessens the effect of what it does. Right. You know, the other biggest gripe that I have with this movie, <laughs> and I don't know how you feel about this. <laughs> Is fucking Ric Flair. Oh, dude. oh, that I can't believe I forgot to mention that. Ric Flair's the yeah. person, the actor that they picked to do Ric Flair was fucking terrible. And it's not the actor's fault so, necessarily. Yeah. I just think it was bad casting. 
the character, the way he talks, does not invoke Ric Flair at all. Yeah. He doesn't look like Ric Flair. So, he doesn't act like Ric Flair. Movies are movies, right? If a character doesn't exactly look like the real-life counterpart, I can forgive that as long as how they act yeah. and the way they act invokes that character. And this movie has the unfortunate uh, problem of it's neither, right? He doesn't look like Ric Flair, and he doesn't act like Ric Flair, the way he emotes, the yeah. way he, it, you know, and enunciates. Like, Ric Flair has a very specific way of talking. And if you grew up watching wrestling, if you grew up watching Ric Flair, you know what it is. You know, it's very charismatic. It's very stylish. It's very, like, bombastic. And the way this guy handles Ric Flair's character and how he talks as Ric Flair is more direct. It's more to the point. It's not it's not as it's not, passionate. It's not it's braggadocious. Not as, it's not braggadocious. It doesn't have the confidence. Like yeah. he's saying things that are braggadocious, but he, it, you don't feel yeah. it. You know, it's just not Ric Flair. Like it's just so not. When he first appeared doing the promo, right? Obviously, the way he was talking was horrible, horrendous. Mm-hmm. He butchered the woo. Mm-hmm. Like that was horrible. Mm-hmm. But I actually did it think he looked that bad in the promo mm-hmm. shot it wasn't until he got in the ring where i was i literally go <laughs> i literally did that because he looks so fucking stupid like the wig they yeah. used was so terrible like his yeah. hair was like so fucking like flat it just looked yeah. odd it looked it so looks strange so, and if you know rick flair has volume yes yeah, especially back is, then back then it was just like a fluffy cloud blonde like, cloud on rick his head flair, like there's a point in the movie where he does the nature boy walk where he goes. Oh, he was so spazzy with it, dude. He has, he's so robotic, you know, it like, it just looks so bad where Ric Flair, he has to, like some swagger to it, you know, he's just and like. And then when he went into the locker room, it was mm-hmm. just like a caricature. It wasn't like, it was just yeah. so, it was. It looked, it looks and feels like a bad Halloween costume. And like you just yeah, and just contrasting it to the brothers and how much care and, mm-hmm. and intricacies there are within them, just to have Ric Flair just be a caricature, which is so is stupid because there's the most footage of him out of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Like there's so much you could draw from with him. Hire him as a consultant for himself <laughs> and give this he's, guy pointers. <laughs> he's still alive. Yeah, you know that was the biggest thing that was bothering me. Right. Like I have these other things and there's things that I think as a move from the creating a movie standpoint are probably more important. Yeah. But as a wrestling fan, that was probably the biggest thing that bothered me was the portrayal of Ric Flair. Because I'm not even a huge Ric Flair fan, but I appreciate what Ric Flair is having watched him for so many years. Right. You know, having seen him, seeing him on his on the mic, his mic skills. Yeah. You know, see him in the ring. You know, like Ric Flair is charisma. He is Riz. He's the Riz God, bro. The nature boy, bro. Like, dude, the nature boy. The nature, One of the bro. fucking coolest, swaggiest wrestlers of all time, based not on some character he made up, based on himself. <laughs> you know, this is just how he is. And I fucking love that. You know, and I just feel like they did him so dirty in this movie, not on purpose, just for lack of. Just I don't know if it's effort for lack of care mm-hmm. or just like poor act poor actor choice, 
Like, this just wasn't the right choice for the actor. Just before we wrap up criticisms, um, a big criticism of this movie is what it leaves out. Um, so yes. there was a younger brother, the youngest brother, who was left out. I believe his name is Chris. I could be wrong. So I feel like the movie did a wink and a nudge as to why he's not, or like to not include him. They kind of foreshadowed it in the wedding scene for uh, Kevin. Where they were like, oh, let's take advantage of the house. There's no kids. It's not like you can't have any babies anymore. And I thought that was a setup for a surprise pregnancy that introduces Chris. Turns out, no, it's, it's not. Just it, was just, it was just them fucking. And like, I feel like there's no reason to include that line other than to tell you that, hey, Chris is not going to be in this movie. <laughs> It was just so weird. Yeah, so, like, going back to the point I made earlier, right? It's so hard to, like, talk about, like, a movie that, you know, is based on real life without comparing it to what actually happens in real life, right? Yeah. And, like, yeah, that's the most glaring thing is that there was another brother that is not in this movie at all. It does not exist within this film. To me, like, I do feel like that is kind of a detriment to the detriment of the movie because... This whole movie revolves around, like, they very, they make it a big point to, like, push, like, the Vaughn Erickson family curse, mm-hmm. right? It haunts Kevin's character, you know? Like, and there's a point where you even think that him and his wife are going to divorce because mm-hmm. it eats at him so much mm-hmm. that he thinks that his family's cursed. And to me, leaving out that other brother, that last brother, the youngest, yeah. is, important, is, is important to that because... He is one of the brothers that kills himself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, David dies as a result of him taking drugs, like, you know, unfortunate, can't thing. control yeah. And then Mike and Carrie kill themselves, but uh, the younger brother, Chris, like, also kills himself, you know, due to, like, I believe sadness from Mike's death. That's, I believe that's why. I believe is the actual story. If your whole movie is based on this tragedy and just how tragic this is like this is just another layer to that tragedy i mean i I know know, i know why they left it out um because there was an article that was published where the director says this movie just cannot afford like handle another death being in it which fair but then why include that line when clearly you're gonna omit this character like it's better just to not talk about it at all and then just leave it as is I like here's the thing. I don't know if that's true, right? Because we've seen far more tragic movies, right? Far more tragic series, you know, that like go all in on the death aspect of it, right? Like make it as truly tragic as possible. Like, I don't think there's such thing as handling another death. Like, I think a piece of art should be what it should be to its fullest. Especially like, yeah, to your point, especially because they do try to give it as happy as an ending as it could possibly have with Kevin kind of coming to the realization that, you know, that's, that's one of the scenes I wanted to talk about is like the afterlife scene. But before we get into that, just him at the end, just kind of finally being able to feel and and Mm -hmm. cry and show emotions. And, you know, it kind of shows that he's, he's kind of accepted things and that it's okay for him to feel these things. Right. And show, that he does have emotions that this did affect him and that he doesn't need to just like man up or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. So it it ended on a a slightly happy note to where even if they did include that death, at least the ending still holds the same effect. You know, we could have still gotten there if we had the other death or the other brother. It's just like this movie then might've been 
like a three hour long movie, right? Like I'm trying to figure out in my mind where we would have time to yeah. include another brother, another storyline of getting to know him. And then like going through his death, it would be amazing. It would really help the movie have a lot more impact in my opinion, because it, the Again, th- it's closer to the truth. Yeah. You know, it's that's because just- like like that's where true movies, movies based on real events lose their impact is when they stray from the truth. You want it to be as accurate as possible. Obviously, you have to take some liberties, but you want it to be as accurate as possible. So it gains more there and then it gains more in the tragedy department because it's tragic and it actually happened. So it is as tragic as the movie makes it to be. It's the, not just making up tragedy. The problem is making up tragedy. This family you know? just had so many issues that you can't possibly just fit it into one movie. You know what I mean? Like, again, yeah. you, you wanted more stuff with the wife. Well, how can we fit that in with everything that's going on? There was just They should have done this Deathly Hallows style where they break it up into parts. <laughs> <laughs> each, oh. each brother's death is one installment of the movie. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, my God. It would, a trilogy of this shit would have been crazy. <laughs> Uh, if in case you notice like a weird cut in the audio or the video, it's because we both had to take a pee break at the same time. Yeah. Brothers in unison, you yep. know what I'm saying? Uh, I'll but go to like, the bathroom with you, brother. We, you know what I'm saying, brother? <laughs> I'll pee. I'll, I'll pee with you, brother. I'll pee with you, brother. Uh, you you think wrestlers like need to take pee breaks, or like there's ever been a wrestler that's pissed himself in the ring? Dude, CM Punk shit himself. Oh ring. no way! Really? Yeah, there's video of it. Oh, I didn't. I need to watch that. <laughs> I need to watch that. That's yeah, crazy. CM Punk shit himself. Legend, it got on man. the mat. It got on the mat, and the fucking ref like picked it up and like threw it out. Oh, <laughs> dude, give him a fucking raise, dude. Yeah, legend, right? Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, this movie does so much with like the inner workings of how wrestling works, and like all the things that go into it. Like, and I think it's amazing, but like. As far as my criticisms go, yeah, the real life shit definitely. You, I do think you the stuff have they admitted. to. You have to definitely like critique the movie based on that. You know, like I yeah. definitely think um, it's important. You know, like I would critique any other movie based on a real event off of that as well. You know, like how well does it tr- tell the true actual story? Mm-hmm. Do the liberties it takes go too far? That's why biopics to me are are just. It, it bothers me because most people will watch a biopic and they'll take everything that happens as fact yeah. where it's like, no, there is very clearly liberties taken. You're seeing things from one point of view. You're mm-hmm. not getting the whole story. You're getting part of the story. Just like yeah. fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. You're seeing it from one perspective. Just yeah. take it as and an it, interpretation. I'm, I'm really curious uh, to see like a breakdown of this movie and just how, close it is to portraying like the accurate things like because that's like one of my favorite things about um so when carrie commits suicide i believe it's the dad who actually found him Mm. instead of kevin it was the dad Mm. um i guess carrie um went up to the dad hugged him told him he loved him and then uh like shot himself somewhere still on the property i believe if i'm remembering what i watched correctly um but yeah, yeah it was actually uh fritz who found we found Carrie. Damned. Which is a huge okay. change. Yeah, that is. That's huge. Because, like, the movie, if, if if it's not Kevin that finds him, it's Fritz. The movie does lose a lot of, like, the um, emotional impact, you know, mm-hmm. from it. All right. So I do think we should talk about the biggest 
one of the bigger characters of this movie, and that's Fritz, right? We spend a lot of time talking that's about true. the brothers. Yeah. You know, I do think Fritz deserves, you know, talking about, right? So th- I just want to point out something that's interesting. Because usually when there's a character like this, they try to justify why they are the way they are or have some sort of redemption arc to where there's a Mm -hmm. moment of forgiveness. This movie doesn't do that. And I respect Mm -hmm. that so much because again, from, you know, what I've read online, Fritz was just so much worse in person, just so much more diabolical. And the fact that this movie went easy on him and there's no moment where you actually kind of feel for him or understand what, you know, what he's doing and, and go like, yeah, that makes sense is crazy. Mm. I'm, I'm uh, of the mindset that every villain needs to have a motivation that even though you don't agree with, even though you don't think it makes sense or whatever, like you could still in your head be like, I could see how somebody could get to that point. Mm -hmm. Right. Like some of the more popular movies that come to mind that do it are like Joker. Right. A lot of people Mm -hmm. end up sympathizing with Joker on how he gets to where he gets, even though he's a sociopath, even though he's Mm -hmm. wrong, even though what he does is absolutely despicable. Like people can understand it. Thanos from the Avengers, like people understand that logic. Did nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Did nothing wrong. Right. Every movie with a villain needs to have a layer of that to some degree, because it's very hard to feel the depth of a character without it, right? Motivations Mm -hmm. are such a big part of what drives, you know, human beings and human nature. And if we don't get a sense of that from our villains, it just feels so superficial and so meaningless. In a weird way, I can understand Fritz. He spent his whole life fighting, you know, this fight to like get a certain recognition that he felt he deserved and he never got it. And he felt cheated from it. And he felt like the only way he could redeem himself and his years spent in this business is if one of his sons could get that achievement. I really like love like that. They spend a lot of time driving that point home. Like this is what it means to him. This is what matters to him. And this is what the boys have to live up to. And like, it really hits, it really hurts, you know, hits home. Like, you know, growing up, you know, like to compare it to kind of like our upbringing, our lifestyle, you know, we grew up to immigrant parents, you know, that immigrated here from another country. Mm-hmm. And the the one thing that's common amongst a lot of not all immigrant stories is the want for a better life, the want to surpass what they left behind you know immigrant parents will do always they'll do the fucking most (laughs) to instill that in their children you know where like you have to be successful fritz is that person man like he even sees like this guy has the gall to go up to his olympic son his olympic olympian son and be like hey you know like this is the last thing i wanted for you you know, I wanted you to go 
to and be, do other things. To be fair, but, he wasn't going to the Olympics anyway, so you might as well do something. Sure, but like he still <laughs> could have compete. There's the. It's not like Olympians don't work for four years, you right? And then they go like there's they could still compete while the while waiting on the Olympics. I think no, because you know, I think that's after all their world championships happen. Mm. Uh, so he would technically be on like an off season. Sure. But like even okay, so like maybe poor example bringing that up, but like like Mike <clears throat> who wants to be a musician, right? He outwardly shits on like the idea of being a musician because he himself was a musician, and then he's like, there was no future in it. Yeah. So this is what I did, right? Like he is purposefully skewing things or gaslighting his kids into thinking that wrestling is their only option, and it's not what he wishes upon them because he knows how hard it is. But it's what we have to do, which is complete and utter bullshit. It's what you're forcing them to do, and you're only making them feel like there's no option. And you're only setting up that it's a hard life for the. It's going to be a hard life for them because you're going to be. You're going to make it hard on them. Mm-hmm. But Fritz's character still, like you, still understand. You understand it. You might not agree with it. No, but I don't think any. Decent you you understand it to it, an extent, but you understand it to an extent. Yeah, you, you understand the initial motivation. Right. Yeah. That essentially he wants to vicariously live through his kids happens Mm -hmm. a lot. Totally get it. But when you start, when your kids start dying and you're basically like next man up (laughs) that this isn't a basketball team in the finals where it's next man up. It's, it's your kids, dude. (laughs) So like, and that's kind of what I was curious about. Right. Like I was like, was he really this heartless about it and like maybe heartless isn't the exact word but like you're right like next man up mentality right like was he really like that and like i'm curious to hear all evidence about it yeah all evidence from what i've read says yes i you know who knows kevin i I would like to hear about from here from kevin because like yes articles could say yes yeah that's what it was like but like there's always nuance to certain things right sure Sure, like on the outside looking in and based off of the actions that we know about, it could seem like, yeah, that was the case. But like there's always reasoning that goes behind decisions. There's always a lot of things that we don't see. Yeah. So I'd like for I, I so really like to see I if there's anything some, of Kevin. I do about have that. some of some some uh, news to report on that front, at least. So mm-hmm. Fritz got cancer. I believe he got like lung cancer or something. And um there was an incident between him and Kevin where he, uh, he ended up, Fritz ended up pointing a gun at Kevin saying that you would kill yourself too, if you had the guts. And then Kevin, I believe replied, it takes guts to live. So, but towards the end of uh, his life, or I mean, sorry, Fritz eventually passed. And according to the video footage that I saw, I believe it was the dark side of the ring. On the Von mm-hmm. Erics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, Oh, you know, I was I was happy my dad died because now he's not suffering. He suffered for so long. Um, I love my dad, blah blah blah. So there wasn't a resentment. Um, there was a love that was there that again, you're right, we don't know, right? We could only mm-hmm. just judge by the examples that were provided to us. But mm-hmm. because we weren't in there, weren't seeing it in context, you know, who knows? Who's to say? But did you did you look up at all if uh, Kevin was a consultant for this movie at all? Like if he kind of I, I didn't look like... that up specifically, mm-hmm. but the scene I wanted to talk about 
in detail was the afterlife scene because mm-hmm. I believe that was a wish of Kevin's that was like, we want this movie. I guess he wanted there to be like some sort of like a happy ending. A, 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 yeah, he didn't. He wanted to make and, it a movie about brothers. I, I believe. You know, and you know what? That was probably the best call this movie could ever made because, mm-hmm. like, if this movie had just gone the route of tragedy for the sake of being tragic, mm-hmm. like I think, like, it wouldn't be anywhere near as good. Yeah, because this movie focuses on the brothers aspect of it and like has these things that like relate to like what either they want to happen or wish happened. Yeah. Like I think is it makes this movie far more beautiful and impactful than it it maybe could have been if it wasn't for that choice, right? Yeah. Like yeah, the afterlife scene Well dude, I want to talk about that. That's the one scene I want to really really want to like kind of Oh delve my into. god, dude. It, I want to know your thoughts on it. It was beautiful, dude. It mm. was handled with such care and such beauty. Beauty, like it hurts, man. Like that scene, like it hit me so hard. Like it, it didn't get me to cry. I will talk about the scene that made me cry. Okay, for people that don't know, right? Like we have the benefit and the, you know, the beauty of having a amazing relationship right like one of the biggest things that i cherish is like all of our sibling relationships right like Mm -hmm. the relationship that i have with you that we all have with our younger brother and then our sister like i cherish that shit more than anything in the world so this movie Mm -hmm. especially hit for me because it's very apparent that the von eric brother erickson brothers also feel the same yeah you know and like to have that scene where they each they welcome Carrie to the afterlife and like you know he doesn't have to suffer anymore yeah he doesn't have to feel the weight of their father's you know expectations anymore like they can just be with each other like they've always wanted to be where like that's the most important thing to them is each other you know like i thought it was handled with such like it was handled very beautifully is handled with taste like it was done very respectfully and in a way that respects the audience and respects the Von Eriksons and respects the story it's trying to tell. It's handled in a way that I think it's what Carrie wishes was reality. You know, it comes off as, and like, that's all that the afterlife is. The afterlife is a living concept. You know, the afterlife doesn't matter to the dead because they're dead. Mm-hmm. you know they it's not like they can share what it is or what their experience is with anybody else they're dead as far as we know yeah so for us as human beings that are still living you know we like to imagine these sort of things or think of these things because it makes us feel better for what's to come mm-hmm. you know it, it's a coping mechanism and the way they paint it it's like this could very well be what Carrie was actually going through, or this is what more, more than likely, this is just what Kevin is imagining Mm. his brother is going through. And that is what, and what is awaiting him finally at the end of this fucking tragic (laughs) story. And they cement that home because right after that scene, when Carrie hugs his older brother that he never got to really know that's still a kid. It cuts 
right back to Kevin looking at mm-hmm. Carrie's dead body and kissing him because it's implied that that's just what Kevin is thinking Carrie is experiencing right at that moment. Yeah. The and beginning like, of that scene was beautiful. Just him. It's I remember beautiful, dude. There's a there was a little kid who was in our in our, our viewing and mm. I remember so before you get to that af- afterlife scene, before it's the hard cut to uh Carrie being alive, he's just there on the table, obviously dead. Yeah. And then when it cuts to him, you know, walking out of the house and, and checking his his feet and, and stuff like that, the kid, the kid was like, "What the?" <laughs> and then, I don't know if you heard, you heard this part. The kid's like, "Oh, so he's not actually dead. He's yeah. not dead. He's alive still. He's actually still alive." Yeah. The kid didn't like register that yeah. it's like the afterlife, and that's why he has his foot back. Yeah. <laughs> that kid was also yeah. So the the shot which was. We didn't talk about it earlier, but the shot of his motorcycle accidents where you just see the road and it's just so like chaotic is like, oh, the tension I felt in that. I was like, oh, fuck, are they going to like show it? Like that was so that was such a good move to to shoot it mm-hmm. that way where even the mm-hmm. kid, that same kid was like, this is scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kid was feeling it. He was going through the motions. I don't even think that kid was there in real life. It was just like our inner thoughts. It was our <laughs> inner like monologue like manifesting itself, you know? Did you also That's notice... That's what we were all thinking. <laughs> did you also notice the coin was Tails on the boat? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, damn. Yeah, because that shows that Carrie won, right? Yeah. Or was it... Ke- I forget who was who. I, th- I think it, it was Kevin that was Tails. So like he should have been the one to go, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that's what that scene was telling us. You were talking about a scene that made you cry, though. I actually didn't cry during this movie. Um, I mm-hmm. definitely it de- definitely had me in my feels, though. So, like, what's funny is like, I don't know if you cried or not. I thought you did because there was a part of the movie, yeah, not not in this basically the same scene that I cried at. Okay, where I I didn't look at you, so I didn't know for sure you were crying, but I thought for sure you were crying because all I hear is like. Oh God! <laughs> like, you just say like, "Oh God!" <laughs> what what scene? Because I Dude, definitely wasn't crying, but I, I want to know what I was thinking at that time. The fucking scene where he's talking to his kids and he's crying. Oh. And then- he fucking oh dude this hits so hard. He fucking says the line like because his yeah, kids yeah, ask him like, yeah. "Why are you crying?" It's like because I used to be a brother and now I'm not, and it's just like so, that scene fucking yeah, yeah, destroyed yeah. destroyed so, me. Dude. I said, "Oh God!" I, I might have said, "Oh my God!" Because yeah. I I don't know if you remember before we embargoed or sometime during our embargo, I was like, "Oh, there's a line that they did that I really like appreciated." So yeah. that's actually a quote from Kevin, and yeah. it's, it's modified to fit the movie, but the actual uh-huh. quote is. It's a fucking heavy ass quote, dude. I might actually cry saying it. He goes, yeah. uh, I used to have five brothers and now I'm not even a brother. I was like, fuck. So the way that they like changed it to fit the movie when they end on that line, basically, I was like, wow, that fucking like standing ovation. Oh, like, I was like, God, God dude. damn. Like, that, that line destroys me because it's like, you know, I hate to get really deep about this and i hate to like bring this up but like that's like a that's a reality yeah you know, that's gonna true. happen to any sibling yeah you know including us where it's like one of us is gonna outlive the rest of us 
you know, unless and we all go down like, together. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. So maybe, maybe we need to start a suicide pack right now. <laughs> but like, oh, dude, that line destroys. No, me. Yeah, that's like there's like you know not to get too sappy on this, but like there's just not a world where I can imagine without any. Of you no, guys, trust me, you know, I, like, I. This is something like I, I naturally like think. I think it's human just to think about these things, right? Like you. You know, these people, especially for us, because our the only person who had a life before siblings is, is Drea. But mm-hmm. we're only two years apart. I don't mm-hmm. know life without you. Yeah. Right? And I'm sure it's the same. I mean, and Adrian doesn't know life without us. Any of us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's just like you can't help but think about it. And, and that's why, dude, the first fucking like half hour of this movie got me so hard like not <laughs> because the because they're all so sexy no oh, no, hey, yo. no <laughs> i i uh i connected with this movie within the first 30 minutes because just because of what they were showing the brothers doing taking their mm-hmm. brother to to band practice mm-hmm. going to the lake together just mm-hmm. hanging out eating breakfast together Stealing each other's food. You know, yeah. Shit like that. Just like, stuff just, like that is just like they I cannot emphasize enough how much they they nailed just the bond between siblings. Yeah. Um yeah. like siblings that like actually like like each other, right? Yeah. Like I think that's because like for us it's like it's a very it's almost like a very privileged position, right? Because like there's also a lot of siblings that I know that don't like each other. Yeah. And like to me it's the weirdest thing in the world because I could never imagine a world where like i don't get along with my siblings you know Mm -hmm. where like we hate our guts like you know it's easy to say in this moment in time but like you know like i just can't imagine like money getting between us like other things getting between us like that's usually what happens with other siblings that end up they end up beefing and never speaking to each other again or whatever but like Mm -hmm. That's just not something I can envision happening because it's just never been a factor in our lives. You know, it's never been something that's been important to us. Mm-hmm. And like, I get that same vibe from the Von Erickson kids. Like, yeah, what matters the most in the world to them is each other. And that's it. There was one you know? moment where they almost did that, though. Um, at least it, that's what the movie was portraying when he gets disqualified yeah. against Ric Flair. That was a, an amazing scene as well. I think that's mm-hmm. where... In the as far as the movie goes, where Kevin finally kind of like frees himself from from the chains of like the expectations and and the wanting to to fulfill the dream. I will say this: like I didn't care for the Ric Flair character I, in this movie. I didn't care yeah. for the actor's portrayal of Ric Flair in this movie. Yeah, but I will say like the writing or the idea, at least the concept of Ric Flair coming into the locker room and being not yeah. caring, yeah, not caring as much as kevin cared or the father cared carrie or the and father just, yeah yeah and just treating it like a like hey you like i actually like what you did like you yeah. know you fucked up your title shot but like i thought that was sick you can get a title you can get a rematch whenever yeah and like that being the moment that snaps kevin kevin out of it and being like oh like what my father was portraying how i need to be or whatever doesn't actually matter yeah. isn't actually important he thought he fucked up. He thought he made the biggest mistake of his life and he thought it cost him his mm-hmm. title shot. But to Ric Flair, who's a showman who can appreciate a good <laughs> show, it's like, 
Dude, that was fucking sick. That was <laughs> good awesome. Good call, like, dog. Good call doing pussy. that. <laughs> like, like, going off the rails like that is good entertainment. Because at the end of the day... That's all that matters. Legacy and titles and shit don't actually matter. It's the entertainment factor, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the unfortunate truth about the people that put their bodies on the line in this shit is that legacy is cool and if you're one of the few people that are lucky enough to get a legacy in this business that's great for you but 90 percent of this is how entertaining are you yeah and can you put on a good show yeah damn this movie is just (laughs) it's really good (laughs) yeah Uh, i do have a question um but it's more of a i think more fitting for the end so do you have any other talking points that you have that you want to go over um before we kind of start uh, wrapping things up the nwa title is shit i can't believe people died for (laughs) trying to get that shit that shit is ugly it's terrible um and the fact that it ends up in tna uh uh you know in its life cycle is just abysmal um big beautiful makes an appearance in this oh my it was so glorious seeing that because i honestly i didn't know we were gonna see it Yes, I didn't know either. Big beautiful. So when that fucking made appearance, right we were like, oh, we were like, there it is. There she is. There it is. Yeah, if you guys don't know, me and Matt both agree that this is probably greatest the best title heavyweight championship ever. Time. It's, it's just fucking all awesome, time. dude. You feel so baller fucking holding this all thing, time, dude. It's not even close. Dude, it's not even close. Not holding even this close. title belt right now, my dick just grew like three <laughs> inches, bro. It's crazy. Like this belt fucking means something, you know? So, like, yeah, the fact that we got to see it in this movie, fucking awesome. Love it. Um, uh, We didn't really talk about Pam all that much, but uh, just just really quick to go touch touch on that. Like, shout out to her. I thought her character was really well done for the Mm -hmm. time that she had. Um, I thought they did a great job of portraying, like, what kind of person she was. Yeah. Whether or not how accurate it was to the actual wife, I don't fucking know. But in terms of within the within this movie and just being consistent with what how the character portrays himself and how they act throughout the rest of the movie, I thought everything was good. I thought everything was fine. I She's thought phenomenal. it all worked. Yeah. So biopics don't often leave you with anything other than it being maybe a cautionary tale or mm-hmm. or or even just fan service in a way. Sure. Um, but I feel like this movie had a message to it, multiple messages. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a movie where you learn about a family, but there's a lesson to be learned and a message within the movie. I wanted to know if, if there's anything you got from it, what did you take away from watching this movie? Um, for me, my biggest takeaways was just like ambition and Mm -hmm. like how, I mean, it's good to have ambition, right? Like ambition is something that I feel like we all should have to a certain degree, but to me, this movie displays just how dangerous ambition can also be, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, it, it's good to be ambitious and aim high for yourself, but, like, ambitions can also be the death of you. They could also be your downfall. They could be to your detriment. You know, if you see nothing else in life but the thing you're ambitious for, like, it could destroy you. And, like, I think this movie does an amazing job of showing Kevin divert his ambitions, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning towards near the beginning of the movie, he makes it very clear to Pam, 
you know, that he wants to be world heavyweight champion one day. That's his ambition. And he gets close plenty of times when he never actually accomplishes it, just like his dad. But unlike his dad, he's able to take that ambition and put it towards something else. Mm-hmm. You know, where even though his dad also had a family, he doesn't push his kids the same way that his dad pushed him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's pushing his ambitions are more towards raising an actual family and being a good father, which if you know, the real life story ends up being the actual case for the actual Kevin, like ends up having a big family, you know, with Mm -hmm. children and then a lot of grandchildren. And some of them even go get into the wrestling business themselves. Mm -hmm. It is a feel good movie in that sense where you do get that feel good out of it because Kevin broke the cycle. You know, and he accomplished what his dad could never accomplish. And that's being a good father. And not to say that he wasn't a good father, because obviously Kevin loved his father. Mm-hmm. But like being a good father in the sense that, you know, he was there for his kids and that he, you know, broke the curse, essentially, where his father, if you were to believe that sort of thing, played into the curse. Mm-hmm. Right. And just to add to that, you know, I mostly took that away. And also, you know, just the idea of the sins of the father are the sins of the sons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But uh, the one thing that I Huge. I, I kind of honed in on was the, the self-fulfilling prophecies that you can put on yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Where at, at first you get Kevin not really believing in it. Right? He's just like, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. It's fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's nothing. But then as stuff slowly starts to happen and he starts to lose his brothers, he's like, oh, no, you know, we are cursed. And that not only spread to him, but to Carrie to the point mm-hmm. where Carrie fully, fully believed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where he, he felt like there was no escaping it. Um, and he just had to end it himself. I, I don't know if a lot of people have that, but I definitely feel that way sometimes where it's just like you have this idea in your head uh, of yourself that you think is going to happen regardless of what you do. I don't know. It just kind of showed me that you can, you know, escape that no matter damn, no matter how damning the evidence are, the -hmm. evidence is, you know what I mean? Like there is another way or a route to divert that. I don't know if this is making sense, but (laughs) Uh, no, just just that aspect, because I think a lot of the other stuff is very apparent, but I feel like this is like a little sneaky message in there as well. Yeah, there's something to be said about self-fulfilling uh, prophecies. To your point, right? Like, I don't know, like in this movie, like it even plays around with the idea of like, even if you fulfill that prophecy, that might not even be enough for you. <laughs> because like we as humans, right? Like. We can have this idea of something that we want so badly. And when we finally get it, we don't know what to do with it. Right. So like Carrie wins the championship and it's still not enough for him because he feels like it's either that fear of like, this still isn't good enough or that fear of like, I could lose this at any moment. I don't know. Right. It doesn't really make it clear why he does what he does, but like he ends up driving his motorcycle and like getting to an accident that mm-hmm. night even after accomplishing the goal that his entire family had set forth, you know, was to win the championship. He did it. Mm -hmm. 
you know? But but by self-fulfilling prophecy, I mean, like, mostly the negative shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I know, like, I know. Like, we're cursed, just saying, we're gonna, something bad's gonna happen to us. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying that self-fulfilling prophecies can come in all shapes and forms, right? right? Like, yeah. even, it could be even in the form of even, like, negative shit that happens even when you fulfill the good, positive things. Mm-hmm. Or, like, we're led to believe, right, that, like, Carrie's successful now. He got signed to the WWF, which... If you are a wrestling fan and you know WWF becomes is ends up being the winner in all of this, right? Like mm-hmm. WWF is the, the, the premier promotion. wrestling organization. Dad is cheering for him on TV. He's seemingly the most proud of him. You know, he's number one in the power rankings, right? But like, in actual to- reality, the uh, his time in WWF was like at his like worst. Um, yeah, like he was rebranded. He was only in there because he was a Von Eric. And uh, in the video I watched, they like, this was not the time to showcase him when he was like, you know, had a handicap essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was not at his peak. And that's when he was on the biggest stage. He's seemingly at his peak. Yeah. But emotionally and internally, and he's at his lowest. Physically, yeah. he's at his lowest. Also, just knowing that about him, that he he wrestled with a prosthetic. Like crazy back in in those times, prosthetics were probably garbage, shitty, just fucking styrofoam pieces of shit. Maybe (laughs) like the fact that he was able to do that, and and from what I can tell from the in real life, pretty convincingly, like nothing was wrong. Mm -hmm. Like he was able to hide it. Like that's incredible. Nowadays, if someone was to be a like wrestling with prosthetic, they'd probably be like a a gimmick favorite. (laughs) It'd be a gimmick. You know what I'm saying? But like back then, it's like if if anything Any got out of that weakness, he, if it ever got out that he didn't have a foot, yeah, it'd probably be the end of his career. Yeah, you know, it'd be seen as a weakness, you mm-hmm. know, because like wrestlers had to be seen as like basically the ideal form of human being, you know, like they were the pinnacle of human excellence, you yeah. know. That's that's why people like Hulk Hogan were like the biggest stars because the long flowing blonde hair, the, the ripped muscles, male physique, you know. Like, you know <laughs> The fucking 80s fits, bro. Fire, mm. bro. Fire. Oh, shit. The short, I'm short about shorts, to, Yeah. I'm about to rock fucking some short shorts sick. with a fishnet tank top and a fucking cowboy hat, bro. I'm about to Hard rock that shit. shit. Dude. Hard shit. I mean, even like the wrestling attire, right? Like, like Rick, obviously Ric Flair, his like, his like robe. Yeah. That's fucking sick. Like, I thought the Von Eriks, like, swag was pretty sick. Carries in particular, where he's rocking, like, the, like, the kimo- like it's like a kimono or karate. Like, what are they called? The uh, the gi? The gi. Right? Ah, oh, so hard, dude. Oh, yeah. The 70s fits. I'm definitely, so I'm taking cues from, hard, from some dude. of them, bro. For sure. No. Real quick, I did have, like, a fun little, like, side question to ask, right? Yeah. So, like, who's a wrestler that you feel like, would have an awesome biopic movie like this, right? Because I have one in mind, but I'm curious from, to hear what you from think our first. time or just just in general. Like from what you know about wrestling, who's like a wrestler that you think would have like an amazing story to tell in movie form? I feel like CM Punk might. That, no, I for modern audiences, I definitely think yeah, that's, I think that's, CM that's a pretty good Punk. choice. I was gonna say Mick Foley. Oh. Like, because Mick Foley is one of those characters that's a good one who who's been 
through everything. Yeah, he's been, he's through, been the through, ring through all or... the different organizations. He's been put through everything, and he, he's had such an up and down career and story. Yeah, and like, um, it, it possibly culminating with him winning the WWE World Heavy, WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Like that would be insane. Follow up you know? question to that: Do you think we'll get mm. that movie before he passes or after? I really hope we get it before he passes just so he could have a say in it, mm-hmm. you know, because Mick Foley is one of those people where I feel like he would tell his story truthfully mm-hmm. and like not hide anything. He would be very upfront about everything he's had to deal with. I'd agree with that because he's one of the most beloved people in wrestling. You know, he's one of the most beloved figures in wrestling and he is somebody that I think has an incredible story, has an incredible come up. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, the reason why people love him is because he's so authentic and unapologetically himself. All right. All right so with that, what, how many, um, let's see, what, what <clears throat> items should we use out of five world heavyweight championship belts? Out of five cheeseburgers. <laughs> Five cheese out of five cold ones. <laughs> what would you give this movie? So I was thinking about this since we finished watching it last night, mm-hmm. and I keep going back between a four or four and a half mm-hmm. because I I want to score it. I would have loved to score this a five. Yeah, but there were some pacing issues. I felt as, as mm-hmm. we talked about that I kind of took away, there's omissions of things um, yeah. that I'm aware of. Uh, so I'm really, really stuck between a four and a four and a half. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half because I actually took something away from this movie. Yeah. And, and I connected with it. A lot of the aspects with it so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for the impact alone, it gets that, that half point uh, yeah. added to the score. So four and a half. So for me, like, so how I kind of grade movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying a movie has to be the best movie in the world to, to get a five from me. Mm-hmm. More than anything, in order for a movie to get to five, get a five from me is if I personally would change anything about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think if there's if there's things that I felt like I could come up with, come up with that would be better mm-hmm. in my mind, or would have been done better in my mind then that's usually when I'll be like, okay, this movie doesn't deserve a five. If I, if I can say that I probably wouldn't change any movie, I'd give it a five. For me, there's not a lot I would change about this movie, except mm-hmm. for maybe the biggest thing is obviously just the Ric Flair casting, if you couldn't tell. Uh-huh. Like, other than that, like, there's really not a lot I would change about this movie. Like, I thought, like, even though I felt like it didn't show enough of what, of the real life shit that happened, Mm-hmm. you know like i still feel like it's understandable why what is it isn't there like right. this movie would be so fucking long if it showed everything i felt like it should have showed right yeah so with the time that it had i feel like it didn't really waste a lot of it like i felt like it, it definitely was did pretty it. well i thought it was all pretty well utilized you know mm-hmm. based off of that like i would have to give this movie a four and a half you know, I'm only subtracting points from what I would remove, and what I would remove is the Ric Flair casting, which that's the reason why it's not a five. Our sister, not knowing anything about the Von Erics, just watching the movie completely blind, gave it a four. 
Taking her score into the consider into consideration, the Iron Claw gets a four point three from the Nosebleed AV Club. Which the Iron Claw coming straight <laughs> to you. <laughs> highest score for a movie so far. And listen, we might be just riding the high of recency bias, but like I really walked out of this theater enjo- loving this movie. So like, did I. And it it hurt. It physically hurt me to not talk about it. Same. You know? Same. I definitely think it's a must-see. Try to watch it in theaters if you can. It is well worth your money and your time. I would definitely call this, as far as I've seen, the best wrestling movie. That being said, thanks for listening. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Nosebleed AV Club. My Instagram is at Nosebleed Matt. The champs is Nosebleed Daniel. And we are now on TikTok. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's news to me. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I made a TikTok for us. So Dude, sick. Uh, it's hell yeah, brother. Nosebleed AV Club. So go ahead and give that a follow. And uh we- I'll sign up for I'll sign up for TikTok with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you're old school and like websites, you can find us at nosebleedav.club. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, give us the follow, give us a rating. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment, do all those things. And we'll see you on the next one. We are trying to reach 10 million subscribers by the new year. So please, please help <laughs> us out and uh, hit that follow and subscribe button. Thanks for listening slash right. watching. Have a good night. See you later. Thank you guys. Later. Peace.